everybody. Welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor. And I'm also a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois. Music Therapy is a podcast I started for uh, musicians and other artists to uh, talk about creative process, to talk about creative identity, to talk about psychology and mental health, uh, all kinds of things, and uh, largely based on interviews with other artists. So today I'm going to be talking with Adele Nicholas of the Chicago band Axons. I'll have her on in just a few minutes. Um, I'm going to play a song first. Let's see, just to keep everybody up to date since I last was here for our Halloween therapy show, which was awesome, and you can go watch it um, on Instagram. Um, Joe Biden has won the election, so that's you know, marking history here a little bit. Um, I'm going to be releasing the Brianna Tong episode this Tuesday. Uh, Brianna Tong is a specter. <laughs> um, good, good, good. Then I'm achieving what I meant to. Um, Brianna Tong uh, of the band Cordoba, and uh, they've got a new album called Specter. So please check that out. It's amazing. I was listening to it um, just the other day. And I think that's about it for, for announcements. I'm going to keep it short. Hey, Adele, I'm going to have you on in just a second. And first I'm going to play a song. This is a new song. So it's probably going to be a little rocky. But let's see. Which am I? All right. This is a new song I wrote a couple weeks ago. And it's called He's Gone. Love, love, love. 
Thank you. Uh, let me turn this off here. <laughs> okay, uh, that was a new song. It's called He's Gone. Thanks for indulging that, for listening. So let's see, let's get Adele on here. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Um, for our listeners, both now and future, uh, Adele and I live basically a couple blocks away from each other down the street, but uh, up here in Hip, happening Jefferson Park. You bet. <laughs> how, uh, how are things going for you these days? Soldiering through, you know, trying to keep going. It's, I think, like everyone, I have ups and downs with it, but all right. So what is... Just to kind of uh, center ourselves here, tell tell us what an ordinary week looks like for you. So I'm a lawyer. I work from home. Um, that was true before the pandemic started. Um, I pretty much work from the space that you see behind me right now. Um, so I work pretty normal work week from here. Um, when the pandemic started, most of the courthouses were really quick to just change to doing things by video or phone. Um, so that's how I appear in court. And then, um, I mean, I've been quite observant of the stay at home recommendations. Yes. So I've, um, you know, limited most social contact. I've done a ton of walking around the neighborhood uh, since the pandemic started. Um, just as a outlet, um, try to keep practicing music. Um, do you think that the uh, the environment will, you know, cause some more permanent change in the way that the courts function? Like, will there be more video in the future, or do you think they'll go back to in person? I think about that a lot um, because in the northern district of illinois which is like the federal court that's here in chicago which is where i normally practice we have this kind of unusual tradition of having a lot of in-person court like pretty much every motion you were supposed to notice up for a hearing and you'd be in court um within a day or two and see the judge face to face which isn't really the case everywhere else um it's something that i really like um just to make that personal connection. The judge knows who you are, you know who they are. They get to just look into your eyes, kind of, you know, just hear from you in person. It just mm -hmm. is a nice tradition. And um, that's been totally shut down. And I think that it's, there are a ton of reasons why it's probably better for us to do more things by phone and video. Like it's way more efficient um, for people who bill their clients by the hour, it of course um, is a huge savings for them to just take a quick phone call as opposed to traveling downtown, waiting in the courtroom. So do you, uh, do you think there may be some pushback from uh, attorneys on that basis? Oh, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought of that. Um, I, I guess I think it's probably going to stay this way um, even after the pandemic is is over um, or at least much more stuff will be done by video that's probably a good thing for a lot of reasons um but i'll miss it i miss it right now so are you i mean you worked from home before this it sounds as though you're still working and are you feeling as busy as you were before the pandemic 
I think that the pandemic actually made me more serious about my work than I've ever been before in a lot of how, ways. How so? Um, so I do a lot of work on behalf of people who are incarcerated, um, especially people who are supposed to be out of jail, but because of a lot of aspects of Illinois law, they can't get out because they don't have an approved place to live while they're on parole. And so I've been working on those issues for many years and um, we've had success in this case that we've brought. Like we have an injunction and the Illinois Department of Corrections is supposed to be changing the way it's doing things. And they have been slowly, but it's been moving really slowly. Mm -hmm. And so when the pandemic started, I just felt this new urgency to push them along faster. And so I filed a second lawsuit, um, raising some related issues. And um, I've just been like on top of them, like all day, every day. And I'm sure they're oh. annoyed with me, but um, I feel like it really kind of lit a fire under me to be more serious and more aggressive, especially about that, um, because people, um, in those kind of congregate settings, like a prison or a jail, nursing homes, you know, where you're living dormitory style close to other people, that's a big risk. And um, it's, of course, been in the news a lot that COVID spread really quickly in those kinds of settings. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, um, I feel like this year of work, I've been working more than ever and more seriously than ever. Okay. Um... I'm, I'm curious if you're comfortable sharing, I'm curious, um, you know, you're working for people who are incarcerated and, um, I, I I'm wondering, you know, and, and you're also, you work in your own firm, right? You have your own practice, your own law practice. Do, how do you get funding for your work? I mean, you work hard and I imagine that a lot of these people may not have access to funds and, yeah, so um, this gets into the weeds a little bit, but basically there's a federal law that says that um, because of the reality you identified, that people who are victims of government abuses oftentimes are not in a position to be able to pay for an attorney, uh -huh. um, fees can shift to the violator of constitutional rights. So if we are successful in a case against the state of Illinois, for example, Illinois, at least in theory, has to pay us um, for our time. So that's how um, okay. you hope to get paid on a case like this. Okay, got it. Um, well, I, you know, the reason I wanted to ask you about, I, w I wanted to sort of orient the listener to what your life is looking like these days. And I know that's part of it because you also have a musical life and other things that you do. But, you know, I'm very interested through these conversations and hearing how people blend their creative life and their professional life and how they make money and, I know that you are working on an album that is very directly inspired by someone who is incarcerated. And I, you, can you talk about, or who was incarcerated? Can you, can you talk about what that project is? Yeah, so um, my band has an almost completely finished record um, called I Object to Everything, which is based on the true story of two people who escaped from federal custody in Chicago in 2012. And it was a really dramatic escape from the MCC, which is that um, kind of triangular building in downtown Chicago. It's a federal holding facility. And these two people who were both um, 
waiting to be sentenced on bank robbery charges, um, scraped through 18 inches of concrete um, mm -hmm. slowly over the course of months. And With then um, they said their main tool, <laughs> I, I know a lot about this escape, but their main tool was a piece of broken headphones. Um, that apparently there were headphones being sold in the jail commissary that had like a metal piece under the padding that goes over your uh -huh. head. And so if you peeled off the padding, you had a piece of metal. And of course, some people would turn that into a shiv to use as a weapon. But these guys used it to just scrape at this wall for a really long time. It took, I'm not sure exactly how long, but you know, months. And then they rappelled down the side of the building on a really long rope made out of bed sheets and dental floss. And um, <laughs> one of the guys was on the run for 18 days, the other guy just for two um, before he was recaptured and they're both in federal custody now. Okay, okay. So that's the backstory. And then how did you get, <laughs> how, did, how did you get connected with the story with these people? So, you know, as a lawyer who does a lot of stuff on behalf of people who've had bad interactions with the criminal justice system, um, when this was happening, my colleagues and I, I won't, I won't speak for other people. I at least thought it was absolutely hilarious and fascinating. Uh -huh. It just made the Bureau of Prisons look so amateurish and it was shocking. It was amazing. It was uh -huh. frightening. There was just everything about this story was so wild. And I followed it closely when it happened. And then, you know, over the past couple of years, I was kind of casting around for some inspiration to start writing a record about. Like I last released music that I'd recorded probably six years ago now. Mm -hmm. And I have dozens of songs that I've, you know, played a lot, written, played, and mm -hmm. um, sometimes even, you know, recorded with other people, but I haven't released anything because I just never felt like I had a cohesive something that I was excited about. Mm -hmm. And I realized part of what was going on was, you know, I'm a little older now and my life is not that emotionally interesting. Like, and that's not a bad thing. Like uh -huh. when you're in your early twenties and you're figuring everything out, you know, your relationship is, um, relationships are confusing and exciting and, um, you know, <laughs> they just have a lot of emotional uh, yeah. interest your career might be unstable, like all of these things are just such fertile ground for writing and thinking. And I just really didn't have anything that emotionally exciting happening in my life. Uh -huh. um, because I'm married and happy. I really like my work, like, you know, nothing that um, exciting was happening for me. So I got the idea to kind of start working on some other kind of story, just writing a, not about myself, which is uh -huh. something I hadn't really explored before. And I'm not sure how I first came up with this idea to write about these guys. But once I had the idea, I wondered like what had happened to them? Where were they now? And then I started downloading like all the documents from both of their criminal cases. And I just remember having this moment of like, the escape is the least interesting part of this story. Like, these are fascinating people um, whose criminal cases were also 
really strange and exciting and weird. And I just realized there was so much to this story that I just, that just resonated with me in so many ways. And so what initially started as like, mm, you know, maybe I'll write a song and just, you know, see where it goes. I'm like, this yeah. is obviously a whole album. Yeah. Can you share a part of, you know, what you found or an example of something that you found that was really interesting? Yeah, so I downloaded some of the transcripts from the trial of one mm -hmm. of the one of the guys. And he um, is a really fascinating person. His name is Joseph Jose Banks. And he was an extremely talented artist um, and a clothing designer who actually had some real success. Um, in both of those fields before he robbed Banks. Um, he was at least rumored to be an extraordinarily prolific bank robber. The feds suspected him of 21 different bank robberies. Uh -huh. And um, when I started downloading the documents from his case, it was the, it was a very unusual criminal trial. He fired his attorney and represented himself. He put on um, a very strange defense, which was that um, he was a Moorish national and thus not subject to the jurisdiction of the United States government. Uh -huh. He kept trying to leave the courtroom during his own trial. Um, at one point, the judge ordered him strapped to his chair so he couldn't leave the courtroom during his own trial. Um, and then he just has a really beautiful way with words. Like he's a person who's had a lot of trouble in his life, but he's also really brilliant wow. and really creative. And some of the things he said during his trial were unbelievably poetic, like including the line that um, gave me the title of the album, which was it. Well, every time the prosecution would put on a piece of evidence against this guy, the judge would give him an opportunity to object, you know, state his objection for the record. And at one point, they're putting something on, and the judge says, Mr. Banks, any objection? And he says, I object to everything, past, present, and future. <laughs> there it is. Haven't we all felt that way sometime? So. so was there laughter in the courtroom after he said that? Was that you know, I don't know. Um, I would assume so. I think it was a little bit of a circus. Um, and reading a lot of the news reports that were contemporaneous to this trial happening, um, the reporters, one of whom I subsequently got to know a little bit mm -hmm. um, just through other federal court stuff, um, had evident glee at, you know, this uh, whole proceeding because Federal, there's nothing more formal than federal court. Like yeah. everybody wears a nice suit and the judges barely ever crack a smile. And like, it's just very orderly. Mm -hmm. And so for this person to come in and put on this wild, out of control, unpredictable trial um, was kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, my mind... I'm not meaning to draw a parallel here, but I'm going to Donald Trump and someone else who's putting on a wild, unpredictable <laughs> so, um, in a very serious situation. Um, not to connect the two. So when, you know, you, 
you found this inspiration. It does sound like it's really rich with detail and it's very interesting story and it is funny. Um, did that inform, you know, the style of the different songs that you would, you would write or the mood of them or did that shape, besides just the subject matter, did that shape any of the music around some of the, the album? You know, there were a couple of songs that I wrote a few times. Like I had phrases and lyrics that I knew I wanted to use, but um, the first time I wrote the song, it wasn't quite working together. Uh -huh. And so it was kind of a process of finding um, the right feel for each part of this story. Have you ever written music before where you started with phrasing or lyrics and then tried to write music around it? or? Do you write the other way around generally? What does that look like for you? Yeah, I almost always write music and even a melody first and then come up with words later. So how did you find that, that reversal? Well, it, the process for this record was, it was a little of both. You know, I kind of had a topic for each song. I knew mm -hmm. kind of what part of the story it would cover. I usually had a few phrases that I knew I wanted to use at some point uh -huh. in there. Um, and so I, I still pretty much primarily wrote the music first before figuring out how the lyrics fit in. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was a new challenge. So does the album follow a story arc? Is there a, is there a finish? Is there, how does, how did you shape it? Yeah. So we haven't made a final decision about the track order, but the way I've thought, and we've been working on this for an extraordinarily long time. Like I've been a tortoise on finishing this um, record, like over two years. And um, so the way I've been thinking of it pretty much that whole time is that it would be a chronological story. Mm -hmm. So it's the first song is about um, Joseph Banks um, clothing design company and how he got inspired to do his art and how that fell apart because of some of his involvement in criminal activity. And then the last song is a song about the prison that these guys are both in. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, you know, zooming out a little bit from the subject matter of the album, I'm curious about your, uh, the way that you approach and fit in music making into your day. I mean, you have a day job, which I, imagine keeps you, or it sounds like it keeps you pretty busy and requires, it's not something you could just phone in. Um, how do you, how does it work for you with writing songs or going in a recording? Do you try to keep a routine? Does it change from week to week or month to month? How do you balance that? It's fits and starts for me. You know, sometimes I find myself really uh, just my mind is like more occupied by music and then mm -hmm. I'll, you know, practice a lot and work on music a lot. And then other times, you know, work is just more dominant. So I don't really schedule it that much. I have been trying because I don't have the opportunity to like schedule band practices with people right now. Um, I have been trying to be a little bit more disciplined about just like, setting aside a little time to practice guitar every day, uh -huh. um, just in the evenings, but it's, it's a little up and down. Do you, do you struggle with that? Are you okay? That's how it is. And that's fine. I think I decided a few years ago that 
the primary role music should play in my life is joy and happiness. And that's all I'm really seeking from it. And so, you know, I get enjoyment out of practicing, but I never really seek to make it like a job or anything like that. How did you, I mean, that sounds like a very intentional decision. How did you, what prompted you to even think about that and how did you arrive there? I think it was over the course of many years of playing in different bands and reflecting on what I liked and didn't like about various experiences playing in bands. Um, and um, I eventually just realized that I, I think what was important for me was to have that balance of, um, like I want it to be good, you know, I want to feel good about what I make and I want to be proud of it. But primarily the reason I do it is one of the things that I really admire about you um, is that, you know, you're not just a bedroom Instagram poster about some cause to go think about, but you really do things. I mean, both <laughs> your day job work is, you know, really you're in, in the game um, and also, you've you've been active. You created Front Woman Fest, um, and I know that you're active in the Jefferson Park Festival and helping you know create a whole stage to feature local bands at Jefferson Park, and then also Girls Rock Chicago. You're part. Of. You really you really um, get involved in a very active way, in a very influential way. And I I think that that's wonderful, and I really admire that. Um, those are three main things that I kind of thought off the top of my head. Is there any more that you kind of get involved with, you know, the arts or your community? Yeah, well, thanks so much for saying that. Um, yeah, I, you know, part, an important part of music for me is like the community and connections I have around it. Like it's an important social outlet for me, you know, having people over to jam or organizing things like these um you know events with community stage at jeff fest stuff like that mm -hmm. um it's a really nice way to connect with people so um i enjoy that stuff i you know i really like the um, neighborhood organization we have up here in jefferson park called jefferson park forward uh -huh. um, I've met a lot of cool people through that and um they're really invested in this neighborhood and community and um things like you know, having more um, arts here, which we just historically haven't. Um, it's a little bit of, um, you know, an older um, neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's nice to have connected with people that way. So how did you, you had told me a while ago the story of how you got involved with Jefferson Park Forward, but that was, uh, did you kind of go into the office of was it the newspaper or how did that work? Oh, so, you know, the way I ended up working on Jeff Fest the first time was really, I just, I knew um, Brian Nadig who runs this really like um, small locally focused newspaper called Nadig News that's, you know, been around forever. Mm -hmm. um, I knew he was in charge of the neighborhood chamber of commerce and they were who seemed to have a lot of uh, influence over running Jeff Fest. And so I just emailed him you know, that was the first thing I did was I'm like, hey, you know, I have an idea for like how to make Jeff Fest cooler because, you know, it was not for me. The, the first time my husband and I went, it was like, 
bad, I don't want to say bad, they're super talented. <laughs> like all the bands that play are like so talented. Um, yeah. But it wasn't for me, right? It was just mm -hmm. classic rock cover bands. Yeah. And they are skillful, but it's like, I don't like, going to cover bands and I think it's kind of cheesy and like I didn't understand what was happening with this festival mm -hmm. and I thought there was an opportunity to bring in something that was like a little bit more local and um people playing original music and so I just emailed them and just like said that and um he was like okay well it's too late for this year but you know start coming to the meetings next year and I did <laughs> and uh, that's, that's how I got involved with it yeah I mean that's that's amazing and how you know, how much of a time commitment is that for you? Well, um, it, the, the weekends of Jeff Fest themselves were mm -hmm. a lot because yeah. the chamber doesn't have that much, um, you know, like funding to do something like this. There's kind of like an event management company that's involved and they don't, I don't care, you know, unless it's going to bring in a lot of revenue. Mm -hmm. So they provide like a platform and that's like kind of it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I drag my PA from my basement over to the park and like set that up. So we have decent speakers and, um, you know, they don't like provide a sound person or anything. So I do that as well as I can. So it's, yeah, it's a time consuming weekend, you know, and leading up to that, um, it's not that hard to find people, you know, to like curate a lineup. Like mm -hmm. there's tons of um, interesting people who have some connection to the neighborhood, um, you know, who make cool music and Jefferson Park Forward's been super supportive of it. Like once I just kind of inserted myself in the process, like they actually helped fund um, payment for the bands in Gale Street and also uh -huh. um, wrote a really generous check so we could pay everybody. So it, you know, it worked out. It's it's so great. I mean, it's really a lot. It's really it's really appreciated by myself and also I know a lot of people in the neighborhood and just the music community. Um, do you ever think about going into politics? Oh my God, no. No. I am very interested in local politics. I really enjoy supporting good candidates for local office, and mm -hmm. I get into like canvassing for them and all of that. But I couldn't never ever, ever go into politics because the work I do is really controversial and um, <laughs> it would just be a complete disaster immediately. Okay. So I'm happy to be, uh, you know, involved from the sidelines. Got it. Um, so the other thing that I wanted to kind of ask you more details about is your work with Girls Rock Chicago. You had said that you're doing that over Zoom this year. I know you've worked with the organization in the past, but what has that been like? Yeah, so I volunteered um, for Girls Rock Chicago for a super long time. This was my 10th summer um, volunteering with them. And so they decided to go fully virtual this year. Mm -hmm. And it was an interesting challenge um, to try to teach guitar um, to kids over Zoom and um, also to help coach a band, um, to help them put together a song, an original piece of music over a digital platform where they're each in their own place. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad I was part of it. It had, um, it had many of the same 
aspects that I love about Girls Rock. You know, it's a really positive and empowering community for young people. Um, really helps them enjoy their, you know, just exercising their creativity and feeling strong and powerful and it's mm -hmm. super cool. Um, but I think they missed out on a lot too. And um, I was reflecting on how it's kind of like we're close to the same age. Yeah, I feel like, you know how 9-11 was like this big marker in our, our lives. Yeah. It happened when I was in college and, um, you know, really colored that experience. And I think about how this pandemic year is mm -hmm. like that for these young kids, yeah. right? Like this is going to be that disrupted year um, that they're always going to remember. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be this marker in their lives. Because they do miss out on a lot, like just all the nice social aspects of something like camp. Right. They don't get to experience. How has this year been for you? Um, you know, it's, I'm surprised how well I adapted to a lot of this. Um, surprised? Yeah, I feel like I actually did pretty well with staying home a lot more and some of the things I thought that it would be harder for me like I did okay with and there's of course you know aspects of normal life that I miss like anybody else but it's been all right what are some of the things that surprised you what what would you have expected to have diff more difficulty with um I think just normal socializing you know going to see music um even just going out to see friends you know meeting up with people um i adapted okay to it all like weirdly okay um i don't know i mean i'm fortunate in a lot of ways because like my work can be done effectively from home and i you know live with my husband who also has been working from home and that's been really nice um mm -hmm. and so you know i have a lot that makes it easier for me what else has helped you you know you're at home you're working you got a routine you've got company what else has helped you get through the year i think um trying to be mindful of getting outside a little bit every day mm -hmm. just I've done so much walking around the neighborhood. I'm a little, I'm going to try to keep going as long as humanly possible um, through the winter. I'm a little bit of a baby about the cold, but I'm trying to get better. Um, that's, that's been really important. Um, trying to, I mean, something I haven't done that effectively and I'm trying now to be better about is like getting a little separation from work um, because like I'm in this room so much, I'm here doing my work at my desk all day. And then it's, um, even when I decide to stop for the day, I'm always like, it's so close by. If my yeah. work rings, I usually go pick it up. And, right. Um, so I don't have that like sense of like ever stopping. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk about that. The, the line is blurrier, uh, the work yeah. home boundary. Did you ever walk in the uh, forest preserve? Yeah, not as much as I maybe should have, but I walked um, like straight up north on Central to, it has a really complex Polish name. I can't remember what it's called, but it has that cool new pedestrian bridge 
um, for bicycles and pedestrians. And so I walked through there the other day and that was nice. Oh, I don't know that I know that. That's good. That's a good tip. Um, let's see. Is there anything else that you, I, I want to ask you a little bit more details about, you know, your album, but before that, is there anything else that, you know, you wanted to share, whether it's about music or just life in general or? I don't think so. So with your album, do you have, you know, I know you said it's been a process. I remember you, I think you've had a band change up in the middle of recording it too, right? And that threw some things off. I'm, I'm yes, sure. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Has, have you, do you feel like you've gotten a, a good groove with your new band? I love who I'm playing with now. It's super, super fun. So Sarah Sterling is playing drums and Princess Ojaku is playing bass. They're wonderful collaborators. They're so, they're just great company, first of all. It's nice to be in a band that is all adult women. <laughs> I feel um, like, you know, we all have um, careers and pretty stable lives, uh -huh. but um, just really enjoy each other's company. Um, they've both been really awesome at helping like arrange some of the songs. Uh -huh. They both sing harmonies really well. So that's just been super, super fun. and. Um, really, really nice. I miss them a lot. Like we still have little Zoom get-togethers and text or whatever, but it was, you know, nice to be able to practice with them every week. Oh yeah. Do you, so do you have a timeline of sorts or where's the album? What's the status? I'm a little paralyzed on actually finishing it. I often feel this way about like finishing any project that I care about or things that I even really like doing. I just feel like, okay, working on this album has been a part of my life for so long. I'm now a little like, what happens when I like actually finish and release it? Um, but I do want to release it. It is basically yeah. done. Um, there's, we really just have to mix like the rest of the songs, but um, everything's recorded. Uh -huh. um, everything is, yeah, it basically just has to be mixed. And um, then I just have to figure out what, how to release it. So that's interesting to me that, you know, you're, I think a lot of people have trouble letting go of their album or calling it done. It sounds like you're saying that you get attached to its presence in your life is something that you're working on. Is that, did I get that right? Yeah, I think that's a really nice way of putting it is that, um, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, anxiety and not that much pleasure in the finishing it part of it. Um, like working on it has been uh, unbelievably fun and joyful. It's been super interesting to think about. Um, it's been really fun to work on, fun to write, fun to rehearse. We had a great time recording. Uh -huh. And now I'm just like, what do I do? Like, I hate the kind of trying to promote it part because that always just feels like, yeah weird and like what am I doing like I'm almost 40 like why am I doing this is this just weird like I don't know so I have all well, well, that we got to get into that a minute what are you <laughs> what are you talking about there I think it just like I always have that moment of self-doubt like why am I doing this like uh, is this just weird to do like in what sense um I guess it just feels a little like um I don't know, a little personal, right? Like, 
I made this thing. I'm not a professional musician. I try to play guitar decent, like, but I'm not like a great musician, you know? And then I have this career where I really try to be like very serious about it. And so once this is like out there, then people will hear it. And like, is that just weird? And like, how much do I want to promote it? Do I want to promote it? Like, yeah, I don't know. All of those things are just like fraught for me. And um, they're not the fun part of doing music for me at all. Even though I obviously have to put this record out. I've worked insanely hard on it and put a ridiculous amount of time into it. And I think it's good. Um, I definitely think you should put it out. But I do, I do think it's interesting to, if you don't mind, like explore a little bit uh, this idea that, you know, what am I doing? Is this weird? I still don't think I have a grasp on why that's weird. I mean, you're saying, you know, I don't feel like I'm a professional guitar player or that this is my profession. Do you feel like I, you should be those things in order to? I don't know. I don't have a great answer to that. And I don't have a lot of insight into it. All I know is that it is, there is, a lot of fraught feelings around it. Um, whenever it's gonna be something that I put out in the public. Like, I feel like there's a sense of, is this even something? Like, am I just like imposing on other people by saying like, I made this thing, you should listen to it. Um, like, is this something people would even wanna listen to? And like ultimately I think it is. Like I think the record's cool and like I'm glad I did it. Um, but I just have all kinds of like uncertainty around actually being like, here it is, it is done. Like I made this thing. Yeah. Um taking up people's time with it or or asking them to give it a chance. You know, it sounds like the difference between music and your work as a lawyer, I think I'm hearing more like confidence and expertise in your work as a lawyer and you feel like this is something I know how to do or I'll do it to the point where I'm bugging people with emails or whatever because I have no problem imposing my views on yeah where maybe you're not seeing the value of your music in the same way yeah uh, yeah I think that's one way to look at it I, I mean I can say I am I am but one person, but I am very interested to hear more of the story and I think of of these two gentlemen. And I think a really great way to hear more of the story is through your telling of it. I really hope that it does come out soon. I think people are gonna find the story of it really fascinating. I love how you kind of going back to this idea of how musicians are combining the different parts of their life. I love how you combined your the legal side and all the things you understand all the things you have access to i mean i would never think to download transcripts of a court case or things like that to draw inspiration <laughs> from that you understand and you, you know what to look for and that you kind of can piece out things and i think that that's really a, a, a really great uh combination of using your creativity with with this thing that you do have expertise in so i think it's really interesting i think people will find it really interesting thank you in, so where can people listen to the music that you do have out? Where's, do you have a website or? Yeah, we have axonsband.com. We're axons.bandcamp.com. We're on Spotify, Apple Music. 
Okay. So there's two singles from the record that are out there. Good. Okay. <laughs> I, yes. Um, and I can't wait to hear more. Um, I, yeah, I, I thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show and, you know, letting us, I don't know, sharing some of those thoughts and well, thanks for having me. I think this is a really cool show. I've been listening to them um, sometimes when I walk around the neighborhood. And um, yeah, you're a really good interviewer. And um, I'm delighted that I got to do it. Well, it's nice to see you. And uh, yeah, I will, we'll, we'll talk soon. Okay. okay. Thanks, Jessica. Bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, thank you guys so much for listening. That was Adele Nicholas of Axons um, talking about her album and her work as a lawyer and combining the two and just a whole host of other things and all of the volunteer work she does, and the activism she does. If you missed any of it, uh, you can check it out on my IGTV tab and it will also be up soon in podcast form as well as on YouTube. Um, I've got some more guest uh, tentative coming up, but one I have for sure is Dave Vitrano of Public House Sound Recordings. Dave. Uh, has done many of some of my favorite uh, albums that have come out recently. Um, a lot of Chicago artists. He, uh, full disclosure, did my album as well. I see you among the stars. Hey, Josh. Um, and he's going to be on, David Trano is going to be on, that's Wednesday evening, December 2nd. Um, and got some more guests that I'm uh, firming up soon. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and for listening. Uh, if you want to learn more about the podcast or my music or anything else, uh, please visit jessicarisker.com. And I hope you guys are doing well. Get outside a little bit, talk to somebody, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.